So have I missed anything in the news this week? <laughs> Something about freedom and rights? I'm joking, of course, but you'd have to live under a rock to not know the news cycle uh, nowadays with the 24-hour uh, news. But some decisions were handed down by the Supreme Court in regards to certain rights and freedom. And those are definitely good and important topics to talk about. But that's another discussion, and I'd like to be invited back to this pulpit. Um, and honestly, that back pew is pretty comfortable. So I usually sit in the back, back pew. But I think today's second reading, the epistle reading from Galatians, is an important one. And it may be well known, especially for Paul's listing of the fruits of the Spirit. At first glance, he may be talking about, it may be speaking of two separate things, but they are intertwined. And Paul starts with a strong opener. For freedom, Christ has set us free. Us, not you. Notice he says us, not you. Stand firm and don't submit to the yoke of slavery. Jarring the slavery image, again in light of recent news, but true. Jesus Christ and his cross have taught us what love looks like, and the work of the Holy Spirit in us is the only way we're going to be free. Free of selfishness, free of free to exhibit a small fraction of that kind of love to anyone, let alone people we don't like. For a little context, uh, as Paul can be pretty passionate. And full disclosure, uh, Paul's theology, which is the basis for a lot of early Christian church history and theology, moves me every time. So much that it inspired a few of my tattoos. But anyway, Paul has left Galatia, he's left the region, and new preachers have come in and are preaching to the Galatians that they must follow, follow the law as the first evidence of their obedience in their newfound faith in Jesus. Most likely, they're promoting food practices and circumcision, as they are mentioned by Paul elsewhere in this letter. Um, ouch. And Paul faces this a lot in the churches he established, this push and pull of what it means to be a new Christian. These teachers have claimed that the law is the vehicle of God's Spirit, but for, for Paul, the law has another purpose. It points out our transgressions, our sin. If the law was created to guarantee life, then it would have been created by God. To return this yoke of slavery, as Paul writes, would be a return to a system that they put their trust and obedience in the law, not Jesus, not grace. And it distorts what the law can do, i.e. the law can't save us. For Paul, the law is a guide in the darkness, a path toward justice in an evil age. The law is good, but it can't defeat the power of sin. To trust simply in the law is misguided to Paul. If anyone should know, it's Paul if you know his backstory. Sin has tar tarnished all and even tarnished God's good creation. And in our passage in Galatians, it's clear that there's a constant struggle between 
our flesh, our being, that has been corrupted by the power of sin and the Holy Spirit that is at work transforming and redeeming us. The list that Paul gives, uh, drunkenness, fornication, all the things that you would see on signs at a Westboro Baptist protest are typical of Paul's day. While not extensive, they can be overwhelming. These things of the flesh are under the realm of the law, the law that exists because we've been corrupted by sin. But the realm of the Spirit, however, is the realm of God's new creation. It is of the kingdom of God, which is a a phrase that's common when we listen to the Gospels, but not Paul's letters. It is the breaking in of God's reign into our life in the present. Now, Paul lists the fruits of the Spirit is not meant to be exhaustive, but it's impressive nonetheless. In my work as a chaplain, I knew a patient who had this list memorized by heart and had it on a blanket that she used every day. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. But what does Paul mean by these tangible markers of the Spirit in this letter. Now, as a new community, the Galatians are for sure eager to begin to take their next steps in their faith journey. They've accepted these other teachers and the message which Paul knows is a distortion of the gospel. The Galatians don't have the spiritual maturity or the training to discern them as harmful. Adult men wanted to be circumcised to show their faith. Again, ouch. People were willing to adopt new food practices to show their piety. You know, Jesus has a word about that. They wanted to have tangible markers of their new faith in Christ. While choosing circumcision as a big one-time commitment, it would have publicly linked the new believers in Galatia with the Jewish people and their God, the God of their beloved preacher and leader, Paul. It would be tempting to have a public marker on one's faith journey. Now, as Episcopalians and as a Presbyterian, for sure, myself, we can and are tempted in the same way. How many markers do we have to mark that, oh, we're Episcopalians or Presbyterians or Baptists or the Pentecostals across the street? On the other hand, if the Galatians remain to Paul's message of the gospel, The Spirit's work is progress. Paul is reminding them that the Holy Spirit is at work in transforming them into a new creation, into people who are more loving, kind, and gentle. Their transformation is tangible, holistic, and ties to a one-time event, does not tie to a one-time event or the dining room table. We often take Paul's list as an inventory of spiritual gifts that we need to check off. But that misses the point. The word fruit, fruits that Paul uses is singular. Paul is basically saying that the work of the Spirit is all of the above and more. We don't get to pick or choose which one we have and neither do the Galatians. We don't don't all have just one spiritual gift. 
So how will the Galatians know that they are indeed people being transformed to people of promise, children of God, clothed in Christ? Because they are people who bear one another's burdens, love one another as Christ loved them. They are people whose actions are marked by the shape of the cross rather than their selfish desires. They are fulfilling the intention of the law to love their neighbors. Is there a place for the law then in the new faith we have in Christ? For Paul, Christ has fulfilled the law by embodying what love your neighbor looks like. Thankfully, neither the Galatian salvation nor our own rests on our, our own ability to fulfill that commandment. But we are called, however, to follow in Christ's footsteps, to love one another. Paul will end this letter with a reminder that new creation is everything. God's work of renewal through the resurrected Christ is the good news, not the law. And the Spirit is the very vehicle of that renewal. And the great news is that God's Holy Spirit is at work among the Galatians even now. They are part of God's new creation. They do not need to go back and place their trust in the law as an entry tick spirit has already managed to accomplish. Now there's a Presbyterian pastor, Tullian Tavidichin, uh, and he's also the grandson of Billy Graham, who has a book entitled Jesus Plus Nothing Equals Everything. And that's a phrase I love, live by, and it's a phrase I share often with hospice patients. Anyway, in it, he says, only when you realize that the gospel has nothing to do with your obedience, but with Christ's obedience for you, will you start to obey. The only Christians who end up getting better are those who realize that if they don't get better, God will love them anyway. That is true freedom. Freedom to know that God loves us anyway. And His Spirit will work its fruits in us if we trust in His grace. As my favorite Presbyterian, Mr. Rogers, always said, I like you just the way you are. Jesus likes you just the way you are. Jesus plus everything, plus nothing equals everything. And that is where our freedom starts. And that's what allows us to fight for others' freedoms. Amen.